0: Well, mere Christianity, you know, the word mere is often just meant like something little, something not much. But it really means pure, only. So it's only mere Christianity, as C.S. Lewis wrote it, was just about Christianity. In his introduction to mere Christianity, he said, I'm not promoting any particular denomination. I'm taking the truths and the discussions that encourage any faith in Jesus Christ, which is common to all Christian churches and Christians. So he called it mere Christianity, just Christianity, only Christianity. And uh, we've taken that title, and we're considering under that title... Salvation, which as you've heard me say, is the big word that describes all that God has done to rescue us from our sin, the judgment we deserved, get us into heaven, and have our lives be of consequence between here and there. It's not just about getting us to heaven. God's kingdom is here. And wherever Jesus reigns, this is our Lord's Prayer Sermon from last week, last Sunday. Wherever Jesus is and reigns is where his kingdom is. It's not territorial, it's spiritual, it's personal, and it's wherever he reigns. So when you ask Christ to come into your life, his kingdom comes to you. That is, his reign comes to you. Salvation comes to you. And when that happens, your home, your destiny is heaven. And you realize that without a destiny, you can never have a sense of, excuse me, without a destination, you can never have a sense of destiny not that's real. You may have some sense of destiny about being an athlete, or being an artist, or dreaming about being another Mozart, or John Lennon, or something. I always wanted my life to be significant. Strange, growing up as a little boy, of no significance in terms of my family background. Kind of somewhat discarded by the schools, who didn't take me seriously but when I came to know Christ that was another deal so it is about getting us to heaven but between here and there living bringing heaven to earth living out the kingdom being kingdom people I spoke with a pastor this morning first time I've met him from another one of the, the very significant churches here in the North Hills. And we began to talk about the kingdom of God in Pittsburgh. And we have agreed to team up to be a part of that. And to go and see other pastors and encouraging them to be a part of it. So it gets beyond, hear my phrase again, gets beyond playing church on a street corner. God did not send his son Jesus to the cross for us to play church. All kinds of people were playing church without his having died. He called them Pharisees and Sadducees and the lawmakers of his day. They were playing church. It's easy to play church in some respects. Jesus wants to rule in our lives, he paid a huge price for that. Now, to come to the word regeneration or to be regenerate, you sometimes hear really wicked people described as unregenerate. They're called a lot of other things too. But given the word we're using, which is also in the Bible translated to be born again or made a new creation or to be born from above, It's to be made alive. Well, what does that suppose? If God's going to make you alive, what are you? Dead. You see, each of these big words has a parallel problem. For instance, reconciliation. If God sent Jesus to reconcile us to himself, what does that imply? Alienation, as uh, Pastor Glover taught last week. If we're going to be redeemed, a ransom has to be paid. Those are concurrent ideas. A ransom paid because we are in bondage, or in prison, or entrapped, or held captive. Captive. So to be set free. So there were people at the, times of, at the time of slavery here in the USA who would buy slaves and set them free. That wasn't the norm. But the price was paid. The slave was theirs. So they set him free. So when we come to the word regenerate or born again or made new in Christ or made alive, or born from above, the implication is that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. I had an extraordinary telephone call a number of years ago. We had the telephone on the kitchen wall. That's long gone. We're we a cell phone family. But we still got the plug there. <laughs> I I suppose at some point we may start putting them back on the wall as sort of antique ornaments, like we get the old dialer ones now. But I remember picking up the phone and a voice with a Slavic accent, like some of the people you've been listening to from Kiev on television or radio. She said, it was a woman, she said, is this Sir John Guest? I said, It is. She said, Is this the John Guest? I can't really imitate how she spoke. (laughs) Who preached in Kiev in the Arka, which was a big stone, beautiful amphitheater that sat up on the side of a hill with the river Dnieper going underneath it, uh, way down, sort of like being on Mount Washington and looking down at the uh, Monongahela got it right yes anyway I said it is she says praise the Lord she said listening to you in the Arca in 1961 I was born from above that's exactly her language I was born from above And she said, and I'm Jewish. And that was like a second hallelujah from me. She was made a new creation. She was Jewish. She came because she could hear a free man speak freely to them about God when it had been a wicked thing to do and you could get imprisoned for it just the year before. So people turned up as a novelty for them in Soviet Kiev It was like being naughty, thumbing your nose at the law to hear somebody speak about God publicly and listen intelligently. And she heard one message and was born, born from above. That is, she arrived dead and went home alive. She was regenerated got a new life and that had lived on can you imagine one speech and here she is years later having managed to get to the USA tracked me down and gave me the call because of how significant that is that is not getting religion that's getting life well I'm going to be taking you in the first place to Ephesians chapter 2 Because it describes well the problem. You've got to understand the problem to know how wonderful the gift of healing and newness of life is. If you don't get the problem, if it's just some lightweight deal, you don't really get it. And this isn't to be depressing or to bear down on you. But we need to know the desperate shape in which unbelievers are. And what God has rescued us from when we come to Christ. Listen to these words. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, Paul writing to the people at Ephesus, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Do you know what dead is? It is dead, spiritually lifeless educating dead people is nearly a waste of time in some respects. Holding lectures in a mortuary doesn't get you very far. That we are dead in our trespasses and sins is something we actually tend to resist and don't want to grasp. Because when you're dead, you are helpless. When you're dead you cannot pull yourself up by your bootstraps. When you are dead in your trespasses and sins, you don't have the power to reshape your life. You are powerless to do anything about the wickedness that overtakes you. Further, I want to take you back to Psalm 51 and verse 5. You might want to make a note of this. Go check it out for yourself. Psalm 51 is David confessing his sin. But in amongst it, he makes a very profound statement. Verse 5 of Psalm 51, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Sin in conception, not because of what she did, but what he was, and sinful from his birth. So we come by our sin and being dead in our trespasses and sins just by getting born into this world. Now I know when you look at a child and he looks beautiful or she looks gorgeous and innocent, And you love to see them and hold them and coo over them and say nice things about them and hold them as they're precious. All those things may be true. But those children are spiritually dead. One of the prayers that any parent needs to be praying for their children, their grandchildren, is that they might come to know and love Jesus and be born from above. And that can happen in childhood. Childhood. Even in infancy, you don't have to wait for them to grow up in order to understand the gospel. I'll tell you this, kids get it in a way that you don't. Adults battle everything all the way to the cross. They fight it, resist it, their pride's involved, their ego is central. They love their sin, they've got more sinning they want to do. They don't want to change their lifestyle They've got some real sins they want to get after. I mean, one of the things that slowed me down, and I don't say this with any pride, but with reality, in coming to Christ, I knew and understood and wanted Christ in my life, in a sense, when I was 15, 16 years of age. took another three years or so to get there because I had some sinning I wanted to do. I didn't want to become some righteous, holy chap. It wasn't about even being holier than thou. I didn't want clean. I wanted dirty. So we've got a tough job on our hands in raising children and they, we, they've got to be cradled in prayer. Held in prayer. A friend of mine, Tom Frierson, who brought me to the United States of America, we actually had him on the platform in the sanctuary a few years ago to honor him and say thank you to him. That was really my idea. I wanted to say thank you to him and I wanted you to be there. Because he brought me to the USA, which brought me to my wife, which brought me to my family, which brought me to you, which brought me to Pittsburgh. Just that deal. And I asked him once how he came to faith. Listen to this. He said, My grandfather loved Jesus. And he used to hold me in his lap and rock me and sing to me as a little boy. And he starts singing. There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath its flood lose all their guilty stains. And that's a vivid memory of his grandfather rocking him and singing the gospel to him. There are some more words that went with that. I know when our daughter Sarah, who was only four at the time, came to faith, Four. She didn't want to pray. She didn't want to go to bed. She was a night owl then and she's a real night owl now. She's nocturnal. She comes alive at about 10 o'clock and can keep going to whatever time. My wife drops dead at 10. The shades come down. The red veins come up in her eyes. She, she's gone. So they're, they're night and day. Literally. Kathy, who was so brilliant at mothering our children, said to her, well, don't you want to pray for Grandpa Brooks? What's wrong with Grandpa Brooks? He was an old gentleman at the church who used to give out candy to the kids, go around with candy in his pockets every Sunday. He's had a heart attack. Little Sarah, four years old, said, you mean his heart jumped out and attacked him? To which, Kathy explained what that was, that that's language that describes he's got a problem with his heart and he's very ill. But she said, but Grandpa Brooks has Jesus in his life. So if he does die, he's going to go to heaven and we'll see him one day because you've got Jesus in your life. Said Sarah, four years old. I haven't asked Jesus into my life. There that evening, Kathy prayed with her, explained it to her, and she asked Jesus to come into her life. Four years old. Two or three days later, we're reading Little Visits with God, which is a kid's bedtime book with a little story with a verse. And the verse was this, Let your light so shine that people may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. And there was a story about once you've got Jesus in your life, he lights up your life. Little Sarah, four, took that very literally. She said, Let's turn out the lights and watch me shine. <laughs> That's because three or four nights before, she knew she had asked Jesus into her life. So even though we are born and conceived, born, conceived in sin and born in sin, so we're sinners from birth. No wonder you don't have to train your kids to do bad stuff. We never, ever lined up our kids and said, now this is how you do it wrong. <laughs> never. They found that out all by themselves. What we're trying to do is regroove groove them and show them what's right. Because they're born little sinners. Pretty, gorgeous, you fall in love with them, but they are sinners that's a heavy that's i hesitated to tell you that cuz you don't want to believe that about the kids sin is a big deal cuz the the wages of sin is death. death and death is a spiritual death that separates us from all the spiritual realities of heaven a personal intimate relationship with god it really literally is a killer so, listen to how Paul writes to these folks. This is, he's writing to somebody a letter. Have you ever written a letter like this? In which he said that you're dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. So you're just a part of the gang going along with the flow. The ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's Satan... As it goes on to say, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, and following its desires and thoughts, and like the rest, we were by nature children of wrath. That is Strong stuff. And it's real. So when the Bible speaks about our being made alive and new, it's taking us from death to life that we might be born again. The very famous passage in John chapter 3 has a very religious man coming to Jesus. It's great that he was a religious man and not just some other reckless sinner like the rest of us. This guy prided himself in keeping the law. He knew what it was. He knew what the truth was. And he turns up asking Jesus, curious about where Jesus got his power from. In fact, what he said to him, he called him, he dignified him with the word rabbi. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miracle si- miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born from above, born again. You can't even see the kingdom. You can't even perceive what it is. You can't grasp it unless you're born again. So, a miracle takes place when we come to life, because suddenly we are alive. And things look different, sound different, and the Bible comes across as different. He goes on to say this I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So, Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. He couldn't see it. He was literal. He was physical. He didn't get it. A religious leader. To which Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God. You can't see it. Nor can you enter it unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit, Holy Spirit, gives birth to Spirit. You must not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And he uses the wind as an illustration, the wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Again, Nicodemus said, how can this be? Then Jesus nailed him. He said, are you Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things? He didn't. You find out by the the end of the gospel, he got it. He was in the team. But right now, at this point, first encounter with Jesus, he didn't get it when it speaks about being born of water and the Spirit, that's being born born of cleansing from sin and spiritual life being given to you with the cleansing. This isn't in the first place about the sacrament of baptism. This is a spiritual lesson. He's not teaching Nicodemus about getting baptized ...and doing something ceremonial. One more ceremonial washing. All the Jews of that day had a variety of ceremonial washings. You see, Jesus died for our sins... ...and paid for our sins. I mean, we always, in any of these words... ...you get back to the cross and salvation. But it's not just getting forgiven. It's being reinvigorated filled with the spirit of god and made alive spiritually there's one time where jesus talks about the devil being dra- dr- driven out of a man who was demon possessed and swept clean and then seven more he came back with seven more worse than himself and filled the man when the holy spirit comes in that's another deal not a different transaction but another piece of the truth, which the word regeneration or born again teaches us. But Jesus does speak about being washed and then also the Spirit coming in and filling you and making you alive in Christ. John teaches a lot about that Spirit for the start he speaks about it being spiritual it's a spiritual transaction that you can be made alive spiritually once you're alive spiritually you're an alive child of God until you are born again spiritually you are not an alive child of God you may be a child of God in the sense that God created everything But you are not that intimate, personal, spiritual, in relationship with God the Father, child. You are by nature a child of wrath. Born again spiritually, you become a child of God. That's exactly what John's Gospel teaches in chapter 1. To as many as received him, Jesus, he gave power to become children of God were born not of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So right up front in the prologue of John's Gospel, he speaks about this spiritual new birth. I have to tell you that when I asked Christ into my life, I had very little knowledge, but I had life. And I was excited to go to church, and I was excited to read God's Word, and I was excited to tell other people about Jesus, and excited at the prospect of being different. By that I mean cleaning up my act. That all looked very attractive to me. From being something I despised and rejected, it became what I wanted to be. How did that happen? God came into my life in the Spirit of Christ and made me new. So it's spiritual. That life is first spiritual. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him, you'll finish the sentence, in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. How are you going to worship him? Spiritually, in spirit and in truth. How do you get that spirit? When Christ comes in and you are born again spiritually. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's something God does. You don't do it. You can't do it. You can't act it out. You can't fake it. It's not about goosebumps. It's not about emotions. My wife, when she asked Jesus to come into her life, she was raised a good little church girl. Good Lutheran. Great parents. Got confirmed the whole nine yards. Church every Sunday, Sunday school. Camp stuff. Religious. Christian religious. When she asked Jesus to come into her life, she wanted, like, the experience. Feel different. Get whatever it is that some people talk about, which was like me. I I got pretty excited. But it was about the realization more than anything else. It wasn't about goosebumps. It was the realization, the monkey was off my back. Like you said, Brad, this weight off you. Then I'm leaping and dancing and running through the streets of London, excited about it, enjoying now the presence of God in my life and the hope of heaven and a significant life while I'm here. That's a reality with Jesus. It comes with his spirit in our lives. His first spiritual, John 10.10, next that life is abundant, said Jesus, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or as a more more modern translation says have it in all its fullness who wants a full life who wants an exuberant life who wants an overflowing life it comes with Jesus his spirit fills us the images are of like drinking water and overflowing whoever drinks the water that I give him to drink will never thirst again, but out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It is a new life, and it's abundant life, and thirdly, it's an eternal life. It's not just an exuberant life here. It can only get better. And eye has not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for those who love him, says the scripture. As great as it may be here, It's dancing in the dark in comparison to being there. We get the foretaste. We love it here. But if you love it here, what do you think it's going to be like there? Some of you are going to be so sorry you hung on to living here so long when you get there. (laughs) It's eternal. It's forever. It never ends. And that word eternal actually has with it a quality of life that has you able not just to live forever with Jesus, but you enter into eternity. You've got a, it's like it's in every direction. It's not just eternity in longevity. We touch eternity now. We enter into eternity now. When we speak to the Father, when we come to his throne of grace we're experiencing a a different kind of life. It's an eternal life. But it is forever. No more pain, no more death, no more tears. Former things are passed away, everything made new. And last of all, that eternal life is now. You don't have to wait to die to know whether you've got it or not. Do you know what good news that is? If some of you are hanging on, hoping against hope, you're going to get it when you die. If you don't have it when you die, you won't have it when you're dead. (laughs) It's a gift now. Let me read John from another place, one of his epistles. Listen to this. Having said so much about it, he said, this is the record. God has, has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. What did Jesus say of himself? I am the way, the and the life. life. John chapter 1, in him was life. It's in him. He's the life giver. So this life was in his Son. Ergo, therefore, listen to this, he who has the Son has life. Now, present, here. As it he goes on to say, to do the contrary to that, he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. But I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. How good is that news? You got Jesus? I love that ad. Got milk? Got Jesus? There's nothing quite like being born again. If anyone is in Christ, said the Apostle Paul, he is a new creation. Old things are past, everything made new. Is that you? I sure hope so. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence here. You are life. Your words are life. Your death on the cross was that we might have life. You're rising from the dead that we might have life. You're pursuing us and coming after us and convincing us of the truth that without you we are dead. But with you we have life that's eternal and abundant and a spiritual connection that gives us an intimate relationship with you by which we can worship you in spirit as well as truth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Given the power of this truth, I would hate for one person here not to get the story and yield to Christ. You know if that's you. You know right now if God's been speaking to you. You may have felt your heart beating differently within you. A kind of excitement at the possibility of having a new life, of beginning again, of deciding to ask Christ into your life and inviting him in. And if God has been moving in your life in that way, And you know it's you. Don't walk out of here without settling your relationship to your Heavenly Father. He so loved you that he sent his Son for you. This is a moment in time for you. And if you are that one person, in your own heart you say with me, Privately between you and the Lord in your own heart. See Him there with you, looking at you. He's there for you. And say to Him, I have sinned, Lord Jesus. I am a sinner. I've got a life history of being a sinner and I thank you for the possibility of a brand new life beginning tonight with you forgive me my sin do come Lord through your death on the cross and wash me clean Come into my life. Fill me with yourself, Lord Jesus. Take over. I give it all to you. Whatever the mess and the wreckage is over the years of my living, tonight I Simply ask you to come into my life, fill me with your spirit, and grant to me a new eternal life as a gift from you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your promise that as you come into our lives, so this life becomes ours. Because we have you. And that life is yours, Lord, from you. Yours to give, ours to enjoy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you are that one person... I want you to lift up your face and look at me just look right at me and I will point to you and say God bless you and then you can lower your head God bless you sir God bless you ma'am. God bless you yes sir at the back God bless you God bless you, sir. God bless you. 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 you. God bless you. Lord, thank you for each of these who've raised their faces and for whatever else you have done in our lives. This night, we are overwhelmed with how good you are. Thank you for regenerating us by your Spirit and making us new.